Hello and welcome to the Celtic Women's Football Show. I'm your host, Claire Wilde, and I'm here as always with my delightful co-host, Lorenzo Pacitti. Hi, Lorenzo. Hi, Claire. I was waiting for what adjective you might have come up with. I know. Do you know what? I nearly said delicious and then I thought, no, that's really inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Delicious and delightful. (laughs) How are you doing? Yes, I'm doing very good. Great weekend of football, be a Celtic fan, as is the case most weeks uh, this season. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's nice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's been a very good weekend to be a Celtic fan. Um, Not such a great um, weekend for the clashing, as we mentioned in Mm. the previous episode. Um, But where were you for, well, I guess, while both games were happening? I was at my friend James's house in Cathcart mm-hmm. uh, at the Rangers end, so a lot of sad, glum faces walking past me <laughs> uh, as I kind of walked home. Um, but no, it was, you got the kind of uh, roar of the atmosphere before it, and you could feel it in the way out, and it was just, you know, it's a really nice, Hamden is like the worst place in the world to be around if it doesn't go your way. Yeah. Uh, but when it does, you get to see everyone else being very sad. So no, it was a good spot. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, as some people listening will know, I was at Christopher Bowd's house, which is also very close to Hamden, but the Celtic end. And I was watching it with our good friend Marek, uh, who was, he was really, he was like, let's set up the laptop and put the Hibs game on as well. And I was like, I was kind of into it. And then I decided not to, because I think, I don't know how good you are at like keeping an eye on Especially when they're such, when especially one of them is such a massive game, keeping your yeah, eye on like too. You're really stretching the anxiety limits of my brain. Yeah, <laughs> football two Celtic games at once. So, like so. Yeah, so we decided. I decided I'd just keep a note of the score and then rewatch it, which of course I have. Um, so, but before we talk about the Celtic game against Hibs and the victory at the weekend. Um, the announcement that we will be playing a game at Celtic Park has finally arrived. Um, You texted me about it as soon as you heard. I think you were first off the mark and you were like, oh my God, you were like, it's all my doing. They definitely listen. (laughs) Specifically in relation to the fact that this is really, really good that they are opening it to season ticket holders. It just, it's, you know, such a good idea. It's so straightforward. Um, we always talk about every season, you know, with like which, if they're going to do one game, what game are they going to do? Is it going to be a Rangers game? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think they've they've nailed it, you know, with the last kind of, I think it's, is it the last home game? I think it's the last home game of the season, technically. I believe that the last game of the season is against Hearts at home. So, yes. um, but yeah, I mean, by that point, I would imagine, well, I don't know, because Glasgow City and Rangers are playing each other on that day as well. <laughs> This is the thing. This is why I think it's the right call because it's the last game against one of the big three. It's against the team above us by currently, you know, as things stand, two points. So it's it's a game that if we can put everything we have available into it, you know, all our resources, which is a huge fan base, a big wide pitch, you know, we even saw the benefit of that at Hamden when we're playing in City. Uh, all that atmosphere, all that pumped up. That's the game that, you know, all things being equal, mm-hmm. if we win that, we put things in our hands. So I think the decision to make it that game is really good. Uh, obviously, there's the the Rangers game this week that maybe was a temptation, mm-hmm. you know, earlier on in the season to move it there. But I think it's a really good idea. I think the whole uh, Celtic end, Green Brigade, uh, all that kind of thing is unbelievable. I think total credit to them mm-hmm. for getting involved. It made such an impact, even just having a small 
section of Green Brigade at the Hibs home game. Yeah. Uh, but to to kind of also frame it as like a tester for the Celtic end idea gives it that kind of broad appeal outside of people that already understand how big a game this is for the women's team. Mm-hmm. It will get numbers along and, you know, I think it's not the longest build-up in the world, but the crowd should be bumper, I mean, for a Celtic women's game in particular. Yeah, especially the mood's really high generally overall in the Celtic camp, so the opportunity to go and see us beat one of our arch rivals in a really crucial game and if you've got a season ticket then you're already kind of in which is fantastic and like you said the news that the Green Brigade and the boys and everyone North Cove Celtic are going to be there making a massive contribution to the atmosphere it'll really create that vibe that this Celtic team under Fran Alonso massively thrives under those huge occasions we always seem to be able to touch wood pull it out the bag when it feels really big I think mm-hmm. I think even just at that last game at Parkhead that was a season where Hibs were like kind of a bogey team for us you know and when we were playing them it was like it should be a good kind of test so a good game of football and hopefully we come out on top Celtic ran them off the park like they were absolute amateurs just in that environment and that atmosphere yeah, uh, yeah I think there's no team better in this league get kind of capitalising on that we've seen Rangers at home you know against us with their crowd still not be able to quite handle it not Uh quite uh kind of grab that as the big advantage it should be and we don't have that playing at the excelsior we don't get this kind of crowd backing us every week week in week out but you know when the crowds do come to the excelsior i think the team really embrace it but there's nothing like playing at parkhead um i think parkhead's such a well-built stadium as well that even when the numbers aren't massive it still Uh feels you know in that kind of uh the noise and the atmosphere so with the, the kind of crowd we should be expecting um, I think it'll be amazing and you know it wouldn't surprise me if we go out and run over City just particularly if they start dropping anything else. Let's go for the record in terms of attendance. Um, so we've obviously come back to this because we're playing them on Thursday but the other big happening of the weekend was that Rangers dropped points <laughs> against Hearts a 93rd minute penalty they conceded to drop two points which in this title race is really, really big. Um, we we just obviously had the result that we'd got through to the cup final, the men's team. And then <clears throat> we got that. And I was monitoring the score of that Rangers Hearts game, but it was, I think it was like about 89 minutes that I'd last checked and it was still 1-0. And I just thought, ah, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we expected. And then I got a text from either you or someone saying, have you seen this score? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I'd kind of just I'd kind of just walked home and I was just approaching my house Ken and I thought, I'll check the Rangers score and because uh, it, it was that kind of good feeling Celtic day, I just had this thing in my head that maybe it won't, you know, work out for them. Um or even, you know, we're talking about goal difference and stuff at this point of the season. Mm-hmm. You want to see that if we're beating somebody three 0 City are only winning two 0 you want to see Rangers aren't going out and hammering hearts, you know, and really catching up. Uh, so that was what I was more concerned about. So I saw the 1-0 and I thought, oh, 1-0, you know, they've blown a lot today, they've blown a lot recently, you never know. Uh, and then just doing that, like, refreshing of uh, Hearts' Twitter page, just because, you know, when somebody's checking, like, the last score to come in their coupon, I was checking and checking and checking, mm-hmm. and then it just pops up, penalty to Hearts, and I was like, I cannot believe today of all days this has happened. <laughs> it Watching was- it back, the the penalty is so clumsy, it's the kind of thing that, it's also Hannah Davis, I think, gives it away, who's been a really, really good yeah, striker is. for them this season. She just, it's just, if looking back on that, the comments in the Rangers Twitter were just like, 
it was the same as the men's conversation. I was like, this is just what we do now. This is what we are now. We're bottlers, we're shite bags. And I lap all that up. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> They'd also had the delightful Brogan Hay off the post effort as well, which was they so just hit the bar as well. <laughs> what they were, you know, they should have been four or five up. But um, So that was good. Um, the other news that I just wanted to touch on in terms of swpl is that it looks like from swpl 2 the team that has come top is montrose who i think were nearly promoted to the essentially the championship from the championship last year and now they've come top like what an effort from that team don't know enough about them at this point but we'll be going away to kind of investigate what their setup looks like um but just kind of i really liked seeing that because it really kind of put a bit of a there's been all that talk about like closed leagues and stuff people talk about it in the WSL and it's just like this is kind of what it's about though isn't it yeah back-to-back promotions there's nothing more kind of romantic than that in football especially um where we are in terms of development of the league up here with the lack of professional teams there is that opportunity for teams to kind of put some real emphasis on their women's team and kick up the leagues and kick up the table uh and I think judging from what I've Glean from Montrose overseeing them over the course of the season like pop up in my feed mm-hmm. it seems like they have a big commitment to their women's team and they really keep it on a par with the men's team Yeah, and I think there's other teams that should see that as an opportunity you know the the level is quite the level is level I think across mm-hmm. you know the championship and before you hit the kind of real upper reaches of the, the top league if you're a Scottish team right now who wants to make a big step and a big move particularly one of the bigger Premier League sides that aren't professional yet mm-hmm. to really kick on and start to challenge and grow this league there's definitely room there I think if you're a little bit of a smaller team Montrose's uh, kind of even-handed approach to the men's and women's teams is something really to be admired yeah massively and it was they've won it by just look at the league table now they won it by quite a margin but then as soon as you drop down to Gart Cannon second in the table currently with 42 points and you go right down to sixth with Queen's Park and they're on 32 there's only 10 points between the next five teams in the league so that's it's just it's really exciting time for Scottish women's football and I'm just very pleased to see it um and the other thing that caught my eye before we actually start talking about the game at the weekend was that Sarah Ewans has come out as top scorer of the Barclays Championship in England with the London City Lionesses which I love to see and it kind of reminded me that when we get to the season break it would be good to maybe do a wee episode on like where are they now <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, because I mean, some of our favourite players have moved on. You know, it's just the nature of of where we are. But um, yeah, she's been amazing. We always, you know, knew she was such a good player. It's a kind of a shame for us as Celtic fans that she was, you know, the standout player before the professionalisation really kicked in. The new signs came in, and the league grew a wee bit, and City were kind of dethroned. Uh, you'd love to see where she'd be doing right, like what she'd be doing right now in this Celtic team. Um, but, you know, it's nice to see her doing well. And every time there's a, there is a big Celtic game, you do see her back up here, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, and she had that sort of, dis- there was that disappointing season with Birmingham City where her and Lisa went, when they left Scotland, Lisa ended up back here. And then just to see her find that level with the team who have done really well in that league, I've just, it made me really happy. Um, and there, there are other players doing all sorts of things that I thought would be interesting to, we will do that at some point, we'll go back. Um but we won the game 3-0 at the weekend. Um, what were you thinking beforehand? I mean, I think we discussed on the last episode that you can't be complacent about any I'm really, really nervous before all these games in a way. Sunday was weird because we had two things to focus on 
being worried about at the same time. And this was the one that I was much, much less worried about. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think this Rangers team, this Hibs team has been up to too much recently. I've had little moments of like recapturing their form a wee bit this season, but any kind of bigger game they've had that's been against one of the, the three, they haven't really laid a glove. You don't really see them scoring. Mm-hmm. And I think when a team doesn't carry a goal threat against us, uh, you really can take the pressure off a wee bit. Um, we're in such a good move. What we talked about last week was like, who do you do you rest players? Do you how do you rest players without dropping consistency? Who is it that kind of is to be prioritised with a rest? And I think we saw that in the lineup. And yeah. once I saw the lineup come out, um, that's the only time you get a bit of a oh, just you know, you hope it's not going to stall the team and we'll get to half time and it's nil nil. Uh, but I think the the squad's fairly fit again. Um, it's quite deep and they had more than enough to. To go over Hibs, which is again, it's why these these games after the split against the two around you are so huge because the gap is still pretty big against um, anyone apart from I guess Hearts who have laid a glove on everyone. Yeah, uh, but I think the the other teams that make up that top six, you should be rolling over, and uh, it was nice to see we did. Yeah, I think at this point we talk a lot about squad rotation and you know a settled starting eleven and all that, but really it feels like we've hit this groove and that this squad as a whole is operating as a kind of real like as one kind of organism that knows exactly what it needs to do so when you now see get I know we're very close to the end of the season and it's maybe taken us this long to kind of calm down about it but I do now trust like I looked at that lineup let's go through the lineup it was obviously Pam and goals um it was. I'm reading it in the order of the SPL SWPL website Taylor Otto Claro Reardon Chloe Craig Amy Gallagher, um, Shen, Kelly Clark, Hannah Kerner, Kit Lefersky, um, Natasha Flint and Lou. So looking at that, I mean, my first thoughts were, I'm kind of assuming he's going to put Craigie at the back and Taylor in some kind of sitting midfield position, but it could also be the other way around. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, like you say, it's just the, the trust is there with most of the squad. It's just about sometimes how the puzzle pieces fit together. Yeah. yeah, what did you think when you first saw that? Was there anything that stood out to you? Well, we said during the week, like I'll you know, I'll leave it up to the coaching staff. There's nobody I'm ever gonna say let's rest them because you wanna know if they need a rest or they don't need a rest, you know, you start your best team. But to see well, Lisa Robertson, Natalie Ross, no Jacinta, no Hayes, that's your real they're your real core players. You know, you're you're leaving a couple in there that you could put in that same bracket, but to have those four rested, that's really a a sign that Fran thinks we can run over Hibs, you know, or that those four players need a rest or whatever. Um, so I think in, a, in hindsight, if things go south, you call that, you know, complacency. But I think he's got enough trust in the squad that he could rest his key players who have played the majority of the games because we don't really rest too much. So I think that makes sense. And to see uh, Lefersky starting with Flint, you mm. know, is something completely kind of new. Yeah, so that, uh, that was intriguing. I mean, the schedule is jam packed this month. We've we've played already, and we've got five more games to play, and then we've got a cup final to play as well. Like it is kind of wild the amount of playing time that they are. So it made it made absolute sense to me that he was going to rest some players, but that also we did have players, all those quality players you mentioned, are sitting on the bench and ready to come in and do a job if it does start to look like maybe we're getting into some spot of bother at all, which 
<clears throat> we'll go through the game, but I don't think it felt like we were. The other thing I was gl- very delighted to see was Shen back in the mix because I just feel like we really haven't seen enough of Shen this season for the and and watching the game back, I just thought she's such a great player to watch play football. <laughs> yeah, and she's somebody so familiar with the rest of the squad, familiar with the way we play. I think that's really key. You've seen the teams around us, you know, like uh, City have had a few injury issues and they don't rotate that much and it just felt like they've we saw you know a 16 year old and a 17 year old come on for them and actually be one of their better performers against us you've got rangers who um are their players look really out of steam against us particularly when they ended up dropping the equalizer and against hearts they rested quite a few key players and were made to pay for it so i think fran is kind of reaping the benefits of a tight squad a squad who know they all have a role to play, a squad who have been rotated in on good occasions and come the end of the season when we have this insane end of April, early May, just fixture backlog to kind of churn our way through. I think he's really seen the benefits of that. Yeah, totally. And the way that we started the game, we just, we came out of the blocks and we would just, we just took it to Hibs straight away. And we just immediately, I felt looked so comfortable on the ball. Um, they were setting up with a very low block. They clearly were, it looked like there was a bit of sort of nervousness of how we were going to come at them. So they were kind of setting up very defensively, very quickly. We were struggling maybe to get the ball through that low block a bit, but it never at any point looked like this wasn't going to be a game that we could be in control of did it from those first 10-15 minutes No they defended our box pretty well I thought but again nothing in front of that you know there was no pressure on the ball for us when we had it in the midfield the centre backs had a lot of room to step up and when you've not got Caitlin Hayes it's you know she's takes 90% of that responsibility to bring the ball out from the back particularly when she's kind of dribbling so I think we had a ton of time on the ball Hibs weren't really forcing the issue it was very much survival from the start for them yeah. And they did an okay job, but you can't get away with that for too long against a team with Celtic's quality, and particularly a team who have all these players that have something to prove and can maybe find their way into starting eleven for a cup final, a huge derby at Parkhead. Yeah. You know, there's these games coming up you've got to kind of show face for and pro- like prove that you can be involved. Yeah, totally. And we had, you know, we kind of showed our intent. Hannah Kerner had a really nice strike that was set up by some beautiful um, work that Shen did on that right-hand side. Um, and it was a strike that, you know, it was, it, it, we, we kind of needed to just start taking strikes from the edge of the box like that. Um, it felt like just to sort of see what we could get away with. Like you said, we were given so much space by that Hibs team. And you mentioned Caitlin not being in the team, but like, it was really kind of apparent to me how far up the pit, how much Kelly was moving the ball. Kelly Clark was just able to, every time she was getting the ball and she was in any kind of space, she was able to move so high up. Yeah, the very like captain's performance again, to, like that isn't her role in this team necessarily. She's a centre-back who plays for Celtic, so she's on the ball a lot. She passes the ball a lot, but she doesn't carry the ball forward too much. It is definitely the right-hand side. We do that. Uh, so for her to acknowledge that that role needs to be filled and to take it on herself is really good and really impressive, particularly when, you know, Chloe Craig plays a little bit further up the park usually. So that's maybe more something that she would suit. Uh, so straight away that stood out. And I think when you're playing against a low block who are kind of defending their box, you have to show them something different to make them break rank. Mm. And like you said, with Kerner taking those shots, uh, you know, Amy proving a threat at the edge of the box. These are the kind of things that make that defence break from their 
they're kind of flat line. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Kelly stepping up. You need to make them come at you somehow. Yeah. Uh, so I think the more creative Celtic got, the more Hibs started to open up. Yeah, I definitely think that. And I think that we've just got players as well when we're playing against a team like Hibs, like that little battle on the left between Leanna Hines and Lou was quite interesting to watch because obviously Hines is a really athletic, quick player, but like Lou is absolutely a match for her <laughs> in terms of speed and physicality and her ability to get around her. But Talking about Kelly moving up the park, it was one of those moves where she comes really far up um, that leads to the first goal. Um, do you want to talk us through it? Yeah, she just kind of sees the space in front of her. And I think, you know, it's it's poor from Hibs in the sense that they leave that space, but it's definitely intentional. You know, and I think it's up to the centre-backs to step into it. And uh, she's kind of given the freedom of the pitch, advances the ball really well. Um, again, taking on that responsibility, and at the end, she maybe you know gets a bit of a nosebleed and tries to find that into like find that pass into the box. Uh, thankfully, it breaks for Amy G at the edge of the box, and she's just you know nobody. There's nobody in maybe in the league. There's a couple, but there's nobody at Celtic that strikes a ball like Amy Gallagher. I think we've said yeah. that about a few of our strikers that are maybe undersized that they don't get their head over the ball enough and and really get a lot like of of power on a shot. But Amy Gallagher just can drive a ball from anywhere, it seems like, and it's inch perfect when she gets it right. It feels like one of those Gallica goals that we were seeing maybe a little bit more of when she was first kind of, we were first taking notice of her when she joined this team. Obviously, she's been scoring goals and she's been amazing for us and she's great at kind of moving defenders around and stuff in that area. But I just think, you know, it was, I I remember saying, you know, months ago that it's like you see, a player on the end of a ball like that and you know they're going to take a strike and it you want it to be Amy because you think she's, she'll be able to pull it off. Yeah, and like you say, you have to show these teams something different, particularly the ones that are going to just defend against you. Any team that has a genuine threat from the edge of the box or will take shots from long range, it's, it's weirdly rare in modern football, you know, mm-hmm. to have like that kind of um, a panic on a defence when they see somebody, you know, tee up the ball 25 yards out. It's almost like... I think everyone's so statistics heavy that you would rather give a lot of teams, you know, a 30 yard shot, a 25 yard shot with no pressure on it, than give them a run at the box, give them a wide cross even. So I think Amy having that in her locker, again, one, it's like a, it's kind of a backup for us that if all things fail, fight, like give Amy five yards of space and let her have a few digs. Yeah. Uh, but for a defence to have to deal with that, you're making them kind of rush you. Uh, so the rest of the game, things start to open up. And she's clever enough. She always makes the right decision about whether it's time to pull the trigger or, or slide somebody in. Yeah, the game did open up. I In my notes, um, when I was re-watching it, I've just kind of just, I've got things written down like totally in control <laughs> and not having to expend too much energy. <laughs> um, I don't know if those are kind of comments that you would agree with in terms of just watching the rest of that second half after the goal scored at like 20 minutes. Yeah, we've had a few games like this this season, you know, where we really rush teams at start. We kind of find our way through and then we just start to take it over and not in too much of an impressive way. You know, if we were being really critical, you want more goals. If the goals weren't amazing necessarily after that either. It's like uh, we're kind of seeing the game out but in a positive way. But at the same time, I don't want any injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, Fran doesn't want any injuries. Um, I don't want anyone overexerting themselves. I think the goals are important. But obviously, I don't think Fran's looking at the table right now in terms of goal difference. But it's all about seeing the game out. Nobody be silly. Nobody get hurt. Yeah. Um, and then get minutes in the legs of people that need them. 
Yeah, totally. And it felt like that. It felt like there was an awareness of the bigger picture when they were playing this game. Um, Lefersky has a shot at like 25 minutes. That's a bit of a frustrating one that doesn't go in. Um, and then I've made a note about, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed Lou's wee back heel to Shen that I thought was particularly nice looking bit of football. Um, and just nice to see those two linking up together um, at that th- sort of 30 minute mark. I feel I've also written down that I felt like if I was if I had been watching it live at this point, I would have been starting to get quite frustrated, antsy, like wanting the next goal to come, like feeling not feeling like not feeling like Hibs were going to take anything necessarily, but just thinking we need to dominate this. We need to put this to bed now, like before before half time, And why aren't we seemingly able to do it? I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I think this Celtic team entertains so much as well so often that, you know, when we don't have a free-flowing game that results in goals following at, like the first goal doesn't open the floodgates as much in terms of actual goals in the score sheet. Uh, after that, it can be frustrating. It probably is for the for the team as well. Um, but at the same time, we're only playing teams that are in survival mode, so you're not really getting an open game of football no matter how many goals you score. Mm. Celtic men's team can sometimes play a team, you know, play like a Hibs or a Hearts, and get an early goal and that means Hibs and Hearts have to come out and we can start to kind of find gaps and score goals. Um, but I think in a, particularly this late in the season, when teams below us are going to play us, they're just going to want to not get hammered. Um, and I think that's that's fair and that will set the narrative for all of these games. Also, I'm totally aware that this is my problem as well. I would have been feeling <laughs> yeah. like that, but it would have been totally my problem. <laughs> the, good, the positive thing about what you said though is you don't, when you get, Antsy or it makes you anxious. You don't think Celtic are about to concede at any point. I think this team is nice and solid and does yeah. control games. It's just that I think we get used to being entertained by them. And <laughs> again, stuff like, you know, Kit turning a defender beautifully and finding a way in the box and then slipping. Yeah. You know, it's just these things happening and they're easy because you're so, you know, that's an inch off a, a Kitlerfersky goal, which would be great for her after the whole Hamden nonsense and that kind of thing, just to kind of get back in positive news stories. But, you know, yeah. we daft slip, very wet pitch. You know, it's yeah, Hannah had another long range effort as well that didn't quite make the grade. But we do get another goal before half time and Hayes isn't playing, but basically Chloe Craig steps up and does the job. <laughs> yeah, really poor goalkeeping, which there was for the most of the game actually for Hibs. Which is surprising because um, she's been so good, that goalkeeper. Yeah, she just kind of gets she's... caught under, like caught in a crowd in a corner, which is a cardinal sin as a keeper really, particularly when you're not. Fraser Forster height, you know, you can't really get yourself caught under the ball at corners. Um, maybe, you know, the weather probably didn't help it. And it was a really nicely hung up ball. So I think it was quite, a, you know, it didn't look as as clear a flight path as maybe it seemed when it came off um, Amy's foot. But Chloe reads it, stays completely calm. You know, no, one's, no one's on her. Uh, I love, I actually love watching it back that she's so, she nods at home, like with such an awareness uh, an appreciation of the fact that it's a sitter, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and yeah, she yeah. almost like sits down <laughs> on it just to put it in. She doesn't kind of do anything for the sake of it or or try and put it home and act like she's kind of won the header. She literally kind of squats down, almost sits down and bumps it in like it's rolling towards her, which I appreciate. She gets the job done. And then her facial expression afterwards just looked like, you know, that needed to be done and I did it. And she was obviously pleased with the goal and to go two up at that point in the game was ideal, I think. <clears throat> Half time, two nil. We make half time subs. Crazy, crazy! What a suggestion! What a thing to do. <laughs> um, 
Maria McEnany comes on for Kana Kerner and Tegan comes on for Lou. Good to see both of those players getting time. Fran, I think, from those changes, clearly felt quite confident that we were in control of the game and that these were players who could come on and give a little bit of a boost of energy, um, but who he hasn't necessarily maybe trusted in some of the biggest on some of the bigger occasions. Yeah, I think it's a perfect way to look at it. You've got you know two players that will start every big game, Lou and, and Hannah, getting the rest. And then you've got two players who are super young, super hungry, would love to play at Celtic Park. You know, I think when we talked about the, the motivation for the end of the season here, for the whole squad, there are positions and there'll be subs and everything's up for grabs. Um, and even just as substitutes, the kind of power of running that Tegan Bowie will do, the ability that Maria has, she's really creative and a game that can start, you know, getting bogged down. I think they're good subs to make. So I think all all round, it's just like a, a nice luxury to have to be able to make those at halftime. Yeah, and to be able to recognise the importance of having those subs in this team, I'm just thinking back to, you know, Izzy Atkinson coming on in that cup final. And she is, ne- she is when I think about that game, she is the player I think of. And she was yeah. only on the pitch for 20 minutes or something. <laughs> you know? But, you know, I think we'll, we'll see that. We've seen that even in, in a lot of the derby games. It's like... When we don't use the subs, you know, the one that was so frustrating was the Rangers game. It was like the subs weren't used. Mm. And, you know, we still had the the better running and the better energy at the end of the game because I think Rangers are really flagging this season towards the end. Um, but against City, over the piece for the last kind of year or two, a big thing about any wins we've had against them have been the impact subs have had. Mm. And we have that quality off the bench and they have that kind of hunger and that responsibility put on them. I think when Fran brings a sub on, they really are brought on with the intention of changing the game. They're not replacing tired players straight up. Um, I think there's times where Fran will leave more obviously kind of players that could be subbed off for stamina reasons on the park because he's bringing on subs to change the game, not mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. give somebody a rest. Uh, and I think that responsibility he puts on them, he's really clear when they come on the park. I don't think MD ever comes on just to kind of see the game out. Yeah, um, I think you're right, but we basically get the third goal which kind of puts the game to bed within like a minute of the second half kicking off and it's basically just comes it's a flint goal it's great she's been scoring loads for us but I mean she's not going to get anything easier than that she you have to give her credit for pushing up and being there in the right place at the right time but it was a horrible mistake from I think Watching it back, the keeper and Leah Eddy, just between them, just completely lose the plot. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost think they almost don't... Credit to Flint, as you say, I don't think they're almost expecting the press. Even though that's you know Celtic's game, I think there's maybe a bit there coming out of the second half thinking, you know, the game's done, let's hope they come out and see it out and we're all, we all get to go home and get out of this rain. Uh, and they're starting that half with getting their foot on the ball and trying to have a few passes between each other because they've been starved of possession. Um, and then the press comes and it's almost like, this wasn't the plan. And then <laughs> it's that slow motion. I think footballers must, you know, watch mistakes like this back and just see that in slow motion. Like, I think if you're a Hibs fan, you'd be watching that in slow motion as well. <laughs> it's like, why did I not just clear up the park? Or why did I even bother trying to play the football there? Yeah. Um, but yeah, credit to Flint for the pressure. But yeah, just just crazy. Yeah. I mean, the rain on the ground didn't really help. It was quite a bad pitch for the ball sticking, but just daft. But players like Haaland and Eddie, with the level of experience that they've got, you just you you don't expect them to make a mistake like that. Um, 
And I think, like I said, once that third goal's gone in, it's going to be really hard for them to make any inroads back into the game. <clears throat> and we kind of do see out the rest of the second half. I've, I haven't got a huge number of notes for the second half because it felt like it was very similar to patches of the first half where we were just in total control. We weren't having to do an awful lot. They were giving us the space that we needed to just control the ball. Kelly was making these kind of quite... <laughs> I want to say lackadaisical <laughs> runs with the ball up the park. I don't mean that in a bad way. It just felt like she didn't need to do more than that. Yeah. I, what she I was doing, you know, I don't know. She puts a lot of responsibility, you know, on herself as captain. Um, and I think that's part of how we saw that game out. It was like, you know, Kelly's acknowledging the space she's been given. She's acknowledging that there's not a lot of pressure on them as a team um, coming from the Hibs players. It's just about, yeah, it does make you kind of go through the motions. I don't necessarily think that's like a criticism on on anyone but Hibs because obviously the game's done for them and that's how it's played out. Uh, but yeah, you can put your foot on the gas and Celtic could maybe have hammered them. But like I said, I think what is maybe being impressed more is the fact that nobody should be getting injured. Nobody should be overexerting themselves. If we win every game, we win the league. So let's just go out there and make sure this is our three points. Yeah, totally. Um, this next set of subs is made at 59 minutes. Amy Gallagher comes off for Claire Goldie and Natasha Flint comes off for Liv Ferguson. Um, really happy to see Goldie getting some game time as well because it feels like she'll maybe be... Um, a, she'll either be integrated much more into the squad, I feel like, next season or she will be one of those players that like, <laughs> like when I said it's going to be Abby Ferguson season and then she was yep. palmed off to part it this all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's, you know, we, we always talk about, um, I did the, uh, Paul's, what is Paul's feature podcast for the number of starting 11. Yeah. And he asked me about the things I was hoping for, for the women's team. And the big ones, when we talk about, we want to see more domestic talent coming through. Yeah. And we've got a lot of good players that play for under 19s and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, you do want to see them folded into the lineup, and Goldie's something we've like when she's come on. So, yeah, these really, are really like her, and nice to see. You know, that in other teams we've had Lisa Forrest, um, we mentioned, and Sophia Martin coming on for Glasgow City. You mentioned them earlier in this pod as well, and you've got Emma Watson who's flying high at Rangers and getting a pl- place in the national team. Um, it'd be nice. It, it's nice to see that we've got some kind of talent in the squad that might be able to kind of follow on the heels of those players and come up and do something for us. Um, I'm just looking at what I've written down with the rest of it. There's a, I think probably our closest other chance is Jacinta's effort that comes off the post mm-hmm. um, to get another goal. But like, you said we kind of don't need to do that and Jacinta comes off at like 68 minutes. Um, oh, Amy has a free kick as well and that is very that goes very close. So there are opportunities to do something. We just don't make anything of them. <laughs> yeah, there's just nothing. There's nothing too clear cut. They're defending their box. We're not really up in the creativity and putting that impetus on the game. So it's just one of those games that uh, happen all the time, particularly when you're kind of rolling towards uh, like an end of season result there's not that pressure and there's not that hype on it so it's what it is it wasn't the best game to watch but uh, when the 90 minutes is done and it's part of a really good day of being a Celtic fan it's it's all good in hindsight and it keeps the momentum going as well because it's nice to just get those three goals as well and it wasn't like a 1-0 or a t- yes, even a 2-0 um, so yeah finishes 
and I don't know what did you make we've talked about how much space they gave us it does it what do you make of the opposition just before we move on what do you think of Hibs this season and how they approached specifically that game but how they've been against us and other teams all season yeah really weird Hibs I mean they've had insane low moments this season there's been they can kind of begin the season obviously we beat them 9-0 even though we talked about a lot of signings they'd made and the fact that they're usually pretty good against us. Um, and they really started this season poorly. Then they seem to find a lot of form uh, against teams below them. But yeah, they don't lay a glove on the, the kind of big boys in the league right now. And, you know, maybe that in a sense seems like they're going backwards as much as we're going forwards. Yeah, uh, They're a team that has shown quite a commitment to the women's team. So you want to, you would expect them to be improving all the time, but I, I don't really know if they're going backwards or standing still, but, not massively impressed. Uh, you know, obviously last season they had, you know, we're taking players like Amy Gallagher off them. Mm. You know, and there's not the standout star for them right now. Yeah. So maybe that's that's the difference. Um, yeah, Dean Gibson always looks a bit sort of just dejected in every interview I see after a game. <laughs> um, it's kind of, yeah. I don't know. I, w- I, w- I want them to kind of be back to being one of those competitors because we want this to be a competitive league. Um, mm. But obviously... I'll take three, three nil in a victory. Yeah, not, not against us, to be clear, yeah, against yeah, our deals. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Um, <clears throat> so we take that victory into the next game, which is not was now on Thursday. It's going to be on Sky Sports, so that's a good thing. Everyone who isn't able to get to the game, Sky Sports Scotland. I, I'm sure there's like a million Sky Sports football channels. I'm sure it'll be yeah. you'll be able to find it. <laughs> um, they obviously had the disappointing result at the weekend against Hearts. How are you feeling about us taking them on at home on Thursday? Good. I mean, usually I'm not the most optimistic against Rangers because I still think they've got a really good squad, um, or at least they should on paper. But things just aren't sitting right with them really right now. And, you know, this season was really theirs to lose. I think they kind of actually improved a little bit. It looked like with some of the signings they made. But they're really just, I think missed their centre-backs from last season. They've missed maybe a bit of leadership. There's been the odd injury that's really just kind of thrown them off in, mm-hmm. in games where we've seen them squeak by teams 1-0. They really shouldn't have. Um, and they've turned up to games against us and just not looked on it. Uh, and that, you know, reminds us of that cup run we had for the cup double where it just seemed like Rangers couldn't touch us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were still winning the league. That magic seems to have worn off. And we really need to ride this good feeling throughout the whole club and the ill feeling throughout their whole club, you know, <laughs> after that headbutt as well, um, the scrutiny you even see from their kind of more casual fans uh, of the women's team on online is that this manager seems clueless or it's kind of symptomatic of a wider club issue that they can't defend or that their teams don't perform the full 90 minutes. And Celtic just need to jump all over that. I think Fran's really good at the whole, you know, we don't stop and he makes it like a, mm-hmm. he takes the energy of the whole club and puts it into his team for the big games. And if we can harness that, then I feel like we should be pretty confident on Thursday of going straight at them. Uh, they'll need a win too, so they'll come out and be quite open. And I think we need to embrace that instead of sitting and kind of knowing that we're the team above them and letting them come at us. I think we need to put the foot in the neck from the start and say, you know, we know we're better than you right now and we're going to go out and prove it. Well, the the victory that we got at home, we did do that. And when we haven't done that, when we have been a bit more defensive against them, we've got the draw. They haven't beaten us, however. Um, so we've got that in our locker and we have beaten them. And I think it's really interesting what you said about the leadership thing, because in terms of like 
culture and like mentality around the club and our squad compared to theirs like obviously we have different attitudes and opinions because we're Celtic fans but we are so we are so blessed to have players with such enormous levels of leadership quality if you look at Kelly Clark Caitlin Hayes even Chloe Craig Natalie Ross like those are players who are kind of making the psychology of that team kind of stick together and really work as that unit that we talked about and that like I was watching the highlights and you know when Jane Lewis said what impressed you about Celtic who impressed you from Celtic today and she kind of said all of them and she said what I mean by that is that they just look look like a team who are absolutely working together like as a well-oiled machine and that maybe Rangers you know Catherine Hill is their captain she hasn't been their captain for a very long time that Maybe they are lacking that quality on the pitch and maybe in the dressing room. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind being this, mind being harsh, but Rangers players, I don't think Catherine Hill's very good. You know, and I think what what they've missed. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) What they've missed is that um, their captain being one of their better players and a player who's going to step up. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily know where you'd rank Kelly in terms of like our best players, but what she always does is she has a real weight of responsibility. She scores in big games. She plays really well in big games. That's like a, she puts a captain's performance in, you know. Yeah. I don't watch Rangers every week, so I don't know. I can't really say it about Catherine Hill, but I know when they play us, they look to be lacking in that department. And mm-hmm. as you say, the the main strength of the Celtic team is that mentality and uh, kind of commitment. And if you've got that, you're always kind of like halfway there in a game, particularly a derby game. Yeah. So we always give ourselves a pretty good foot to start off on. Yeah, totally. I think we just we're we're riding this wave of positivity and kind of really good results and we just need to make sure that we just stay focused and stay balanced and keep riding the wave and that it's kind of other people's opportunity to come and try and knock us off and we I think we've got the power within us as this team to absolutely get a result against them on Thursday, which isn't to say that I am not going to be absolutely shitting it <laughs> mm-hmm. on Thursday night, but that's just the way I am. Um, who do you want to see start on Thursday? We've had, I mean, one big player that will be missing who has played against them. I think every time we've played them this season is Olivia Chance. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, I would like to see us stick to the kind of big 11 he seems to have set on, you know, for the, the City game at Hamden and stuff like that, as close to that as we can get. So Ross, just, Ross and Robertson? Yeah, I do think he's on a roll with it. I think it's, you know, it's what we like anyway. We have talked about that. So I think it's important at the end of the season that he knows his best 11. And for me, that is our best 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and the subs are so key anyway. You know, I think that everyone should know that they've got an impact uh, to have. So I'd, I'd very much like to see that squad again. Lorenzo has just been leapt on by a feline who looks very adorable. I was just going to, I was just going to just for, for argument's sake, let's through, run through that strong starting 11 that we think he might start on Thursday. So we're talking Pam and goals, obviously. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, Kelly, and Claire at the back. Okay. Well, here's where I'll change it then. Here we go. Uh huh. I would like to see Chloe Craig start. I think. Okay. So would that be Caitlin? Would that be Chloe Craig on that left-hand side of the back three? Yes. Okay. Um, I assume we then have Hannah Kerner on the right-hand side. Yep. Hannah. Hannah Lou. and Lou on the left, and then you've got Ross and Robertson. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacinta, Amy, and Natasha. Yeah, and I think um, you know, 
full credit to Natasha Flint. I think she's doing exactly what we talked about, even when we were kind of criticising her early performances. If you can come in in January, we said it when she signed, she's got a lot of experience, come in and in these big games, score a goal. Yeah. And she's doing that right now and she's doing it consistently. So, uh, and you'd have faith in her on Thursday, you know, she's come up with a goal mm-hmm. to get a wee half chance and take it. Uh, she's showing exactly why we signed her right now and I'm really pleased with that. I still, you know, there's still things about her game that will frustrate me on Thursday, no doubt. <laughs> um, but I, I've got a lot of confidence on her to score, which is all you can ask for from a striker. Yeah, I actually asked Fran about this. The presser should be up on Twitter at some point, but I asked him about Natasha and the fact that she kind of, we see her move back into midfield a lot more than we're used to seeing our forwards move back. We're used to kind of seeing her come back and get involved in the in that play to create something. And he specifically said she's a very, very different striker than we've had. We've had Charlie Wellings. We've had Clarissa Larrissey. Um, We are adapting things and the way that I'm training with her is to maximise her strengths and minimise her weaknesses. And that's part of what that is about. And I think maybe as non-professional football coaches and non-experts, I would definitely call myself a non-expert that the frustration as a fan came because we were used to having that type of striker we've obviously got Jacinta and Amy as well who are kind of dynamic and move forward really quickly and because she came in and she was very different from that we were just a bit like what's this <laughs> what's this but yeah the- and I think there's a lot about her game that's actually you know build up play wise she is really good it's just it's just different as you say and that's really good to hear this idea of and that's I think all strikers should be treated like that you play this you play to striker strengths uh, and I think particularly with the hand we've been dealt with somebody as dominant as Lara leaving to try and replace her like for like was going to be near impossible. Mm. So he's gone and he's got somebody with a lot of experience who he thinks can add some to this team we don't currently have. Uh, so, you know, in hindsight, hopefully at the end of the season, it's going to be proved to be like a bit of a masterstroke. Hopefully. Um, we just need to take the game to them, don't we? We absolutely need to show our intent from the first whistle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That is like that is the key, I think, against Rangers. Um, they have had a kind of two years playing with quite a bit of swagger because they, you know, knocked Glasgow City off their perch. They've got a ton of internationalists. Um, they can play with a lot of confidence. But when we take a game to them and really let them, you know, feel it, that they've got a team now, they've got two teams now that are going to compete with them. They're not at the top of the tree comfortably. Uh, even this season, you know, they're now third in the league as it stands. They're going to have to really turn things around with a bit of a miracle to win this league. You know, they need to know that and feel that pressure. And when they have felt that pressure, they've crumbled. Do you want to give me a prediction? I think it will be... I think it will be 2-1 to Celtic. I was going to say 2-0. Let's hope so. (laughs) Scary. It's so scary. (laughs) Um, I would encourage as many people as possible to get along to the game on Thursday evening those evening games at the Excelsior the atmosphere is always really really good um and it's it is on tv if you're not able to make it but get a look look on the website get your tickets because it massively does make a difference and I know that the players say it makes a difference to have those crowds in there and it's been getting sort of the noise has been getting louder and louder all season um and we just need to give ourselves every possible advantage on Thursday because it's such a must win. So that is my exhortation to everyone to come along. Will will you be able to be there? 
Yep. Yeah, we've got like three, you know, the cliches, we've got cup finals now at the end of the season, <laughs> but there's just three games left in the season in terms of the cup final and the two derby games that are like so, like for a, you can flip everything upside down on mm-hmm. any result in those games. It's so huge. And the, the core thing to remember is if we win both those games, we win the league. Yeah. You know, that kind of is it. Because I am going to be the arsehole that says, you know, we should be beating hearts and hips. So yeah, no, that's I agree. the big thing to remember. Um, it's going to be very exciting. Um, we've got that game. Before we record one of these again, we'll also have another game to play on the Sunday, but it just feels like too much to even... I can't even like psychologically look ahead to another game past Rangers. <laughs> Do you know I, I mean? there's, there's no point because like you say, it's well, these games are do or die. You know, yeah. it's the be all and end all. So there is absolutely no point in thinking about permutations or... But things could look, all I'll say is things could look very different next Tuesday when we're recording. So it'll be exciting to see how that is. (laughs) The the big, you know, the end of season game when we play Hearts at home being Rangers and City means that nothing will even be close to like, you couldn't even make guesses about things until like the second half of the last game of the season. So we're all kind of sitting on tenor hooks until then, trying to stay in it. (laughs) Very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for chatting it all through with me as always, Lorenzo. Oh, I always enjoy it. He's been Lorenzo Pacitti. I've been Claire Wilde. And this has been the Celtic Women's Football Show.